Here's a glimpse of what's coming up on Contemplate. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Not of, not of some building, but of us, his church, the people of God. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, and this is Contemplate. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Great to have you with us for part eight in our podcast series, Who is Jesus? Today, Pastor David is teaching us about standing strong for God and letting the world see Jesus in us as we hold up his truth, an important thing we all need to remember. It's going to be a great lesson, so let's dive in. Please get out your Bibles as we join Pastor David Robinson with today's message recorded live at Axe Church. I had a dirty, dirty job. I'm not talking about when I was a lawyer. This, this was different. Um, it was my first time in Honduras. My wife and I had gone out there and we were put on a construction team. Um, and so we were on this construction team and we were going to build a bathroom. It was actually more than a bathroom. It was like, I can't remember if there's a shower, but there was one kind of stall with a toilet and then there was something they call a pia. This is just for your information in Honduras. They have these things called pias. They're basically a big basin of water and they use it to like wash their clothes. I've seen people wash their hair in there, that type of thing. So next time that your washer takes a little too long, just think you could be using a pia outside washing your clothes, which is what they do. So we were creating or building this bathroom. Um, and later actually went back and we built a building of classrooms in the same spot for a church there, actually over the bathroom, integrated the bathroom. We used concrete block, the bathroom we had used bricks for. I've got a picture of it here. Um, if we can get that up. There it is. So that building there in the background, beautiful, isn't it? Um, and you're probably thinking, I don't think I would trust a building that David made. And I'm offended by that, but I agree with you. I would not either. If you go to Honduras, I would not lean too heavily against the side of that building, okay? It's, uh, you never know. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's, it's very strong. Listen, the, the fact is, is that the stuff they use to build that stuff is incredibly strong, and those things stand the test of time. But the first year, we used a bunch of bricks, like, like red bricks, right? And bricks can be very heavy. They can be. Um, but that actually was not the hard part. The hard part was the concrete. And I don't know how many of you have worked with concrete, but some of us have made concrete like in a wheelbarrow or like in a bucket, and you put the, you know, the bag in there, the water, and you mix it and whatever, and that's not fun at all. If you have a big enough project, you can just make the forms and call the truck over, and they'll just pour it in there, which is much easier. Uh, but in Honduras, they do it a little bit different, okay? They take the uh, rocks and the sand and the gravel, and they've got like this screen, and they take shovels full, and they got to throw it through the screen to make sure that the stuff is the right size, and it's, and it's dirty, and it's messed up, and, and then we take all these different things, and we take the, the stuff, and we put it on the ground, okay, on the ground, and then we take a hose, and we add water into it, and we take shovels and make this big thing of concrete, okay, not fun at all. There's no mixer, there's no making it easy. It's just shovels and the ground and hard, dirty work. And then we take it and we place it into forms to form 
a structure, right? And so we basically were making this bathroom. We formed pillars at the four corners of this bathroom. And then we'd make these wood forms and we'd take buckets of concrete up to the top and we'd pour it down into these wood forms and we'd make these pillars. And you can basically make concrete go into any form you want. You can shape it however you want. But what you really want is a strong shape, right? A strong form because that pillar is going to hold up the building. It's going to hold up the roof. It's going to be the thing that makes the building stand. And so they make these pillars in a strong form. Okay? Then we built the walls with bricks and mortar and so on, and they attached into these pillars, and it stood strong. And there are lots of buildings made like this in Honduras, and it is very different than here. There's no code inspector coming by. There's no OSHA right? It's just me and some other people making concrete on the ground and just throwing buildings up. Then no one cares, okay? But they stay. They're still there. They're super strong because concrete is super strong. And when you make pillars with concrete, they stand very, very strong. And so we look in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we get down to the 14th verse, and and this is what what Paul says to Timothy. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I'm delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The pillar and ground of the truth. So he's saying, look, you need to know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. And what's the house of God? The church of the living God. What's the church? Not a building, not a temple like it used to be, not any of that, but the people that God is among his people and that the church is the people and that the church becomes the pillar and the ground of the truth. The pillar and the ground of the truth. There was a physical temple in Jerusalem. It was beautiful. It was nice. It had lots of pillars. It had lots of all that kind of stuff, but it was just a shadow of what the church was going to be. And the church at that time and at this time is the people. It's you and me. It's made up of the people of God, those who are in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to testify to the truth. He came to turn the world right side up because the world is upside down. And it still is in many places and in many situations, the world is upside down. And we're his witnesses to the truth. That's who the church is. We are the pillar and the ground holding up the truth for the world to see. Now, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, the pillar is this, a strong vertical column made of stone, metal, or wood that supports part of a building or stands alone for decoration. A pillar supports a structure. It supports a building. As Jesus Christ's church, we support the truth. Now, Paul was writing to Timothy here, and he would have had a lot of um, understanding of Roman buildings, Roman pillars, right? And the way that they would have done their thing. And Roman buildings and pillars were made of concrete, just like the one that I'm built, that I built out in, well, I didn't do it myself, but the one that I built out in Honduras, okay? Just like many buildings today. And here's the thing, that Roman concrete was actually 10 times weaker, than the stuff that we use today, 10 times weaker. And yet, 2,000 years later, as you can see on the screen, there's all kinds of pillars still standing, 2,000 years later. Even though it was 10 times weaker than the concrete we use now, it was incredibly strong. 
And so when he uses this language about the pillar and the ground of the truth, they understood what they were talking about and what it meant. See, modern buildings are made up of something we call Portland cement. Portland cement is comprised of limestone, sandstone, ash, chalk, iron, and clay. Okay, a bunch of different things that are put together, and it's very strong. Roman buildings were made similarly. They were limestone and ash, like volcanic ash, and brick and volcanic rock. This is what they would have all put together. All these things would come together, and it would make this concrete. Lots of pieces of gravel and ash, and they're misshapen. And on their own, all these things are useless, okay? They're just pebbles and gravel and sand and dirt and ash. But when they're put together, and when water is added... They become incredibly strong, this incredibly strong material that can make beautiful buildings and pillars that can hold tons and tons of weight. Something that was just a piece of sand can become part of something that can hold up the Parthenon. So we, as Christ's church, are the house of God, a building that is the pillar and the ground of truth, and Jesus is the cornerstone. You may have heard this imagery before, and a cornerstone is what's placed at the corner of a structure in the, in the foundation. It's the chief foundational stone in the foundation. It gives the building strength and ties it together. That's what the cornerstone does. Let's look at what the Word of God says in Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. It says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So this series is about who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Not of, not of some building, but of us, his church, the people of God. Concrete is, is still all separate, right? It, when you put it all together, we used to put it on the ground there in Honduras. It was still all separate. It was still a piece of this, a piece of that raw gravel, sand, this thing and that thing. But when you added water to it, it bound together. It became strong. You added water, and you put it in the form, it became rock hard. I look at Jesus kind of as a cornerstone. I also look at him as kind of the water, the living water that comes together and takes all of us, us rough little pieces from all over. We were just dirt, or we were just sand, or we were just ash, gravel, whatever. And we're stuck in this place, and the living water of Jesus Christ comes together, and it forms us together, and we become formed hard and strong so that we can be the pillar for truth. I don't think that was lost on the author here. That was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this about the pillar and the ground of the truth that we come together. We come together, all these broken pieces, to make something strong and beautiful that upholds the truth. Jesus is the head of the church, right? He's the cornerstone, brings us together. Holy Spirit empowering us to live lives for God, and he's the head of the church. Colossians 1, 15 through 18, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head 
of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Jesus is the head of the church. We follow him. He's the head. He's the captain of the ship, right? He's the one leading. He's the one in charge. He's the captain. And here's the thing. It's not me or another elder or another deacon or another leader or some, or some other great leader that's out there at some other church who's the head of the church. Only Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the only captain of the ship. And we, if we're in his church, we all follow him. He's the one who brought us together, melded us together, formed us together, is the cornerstone and the head and the leader, the captain of the ship. And let me tell you something. This ship, the church, is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. I've been on a cruise ship, a couple of them actually. Um, and hey, they're fun. There's lots of buffets and pools and the shuffleboard thing. I've always liked that. That's a good time. Um, but we're not doing anything on a cruise ship, right? We go in a circle from this port and we go to these other ports and we come back. That's what we do on a cruise ship, right? We don't really do anything. In fact, I think that's the point. We're vacating. We're vacating, right? We're not accomplishing anything. We're chilling, relaxing to the extent that you can relax in a pool full of kids and you know what they're doing in there. And to the extent that you can relax in a bedroom the size of a bathroom stall, which is about how big the bedrooms are on a cruise ship. Not that I'm complaining. I'll still go on one. I'm just saying, to that extent, you're relaxing. You're chilling. You're not doing anything, right? But a battleship has a mission and a goal and discipline and purpose. And I imagine you can still have fun on a battleship from time to time, but a battleship is not about chilling. It's not about chilling. It's about the adventure of purpose. The captain is leading us to victory. And we're on a mission to see the lost saved. It's very different than a cruise ship. We're on this mission to show the world that darkness has been defeated and to see the captives set free. And such were some of us. Such were all of us. On a cruise ship, I don't, I don't have to know anyone. I don't care who's in the cabin next to me, right? I don't have to get along with anyone. I'm just there doing my thing. The captain is just this guy in the white shorts, right, in the hat, walking around, you know. That's the captain of a cruise ship. He's just dry. Yeah, just get me to the place that it says on the ticket. I don't care. Whatever, right? But the captain of a battleship, different guy. And the people on the battleship, different people. If you don't know them, if you're not connected to the people on the battleship, if you don't know them intimately, if you're not ready to serve by them, die by them, sacrifice for them, this battleship ain't going anywhere. And when it comes time for battle, nothing good is going to happen. If a cruise ship went into battle, I'm thinking things would be rough, right? And the captain of a battleship, you better respect. When the captain of the battleship gives an order, you better obey. And a battleship with the best captain is probably a battleship with a, with a captain where the people know that the captain loves them and would die for them too. Well, you have all of that in Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Now, one of these ships is useful for an eternal purpose, something that will be there forever. And one of them is useful for a tan, which is usually somewhat temporary. Jesus is serious about his church. He loves us. I mean, God loves us so much. And we think about who is Jesus, and we think about who we are, and they're so connected because we are his church. God shows us that he loves us. Look what it says in Ephesians 5.25. It says, Husbands, love your wives. 
just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And the elders of Christ's church are told this in the book of Acts, Acts 20, 28. It says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He purchased the church with his own blood. He gave his life for the church. That's who Jesus is. And we have to realize the significance of this. We have to understand what we're supposed to do. That we need to recognize that outside of who who Jesus is, we're just gravel and dirt and sand and ash. We're not doing anything that important. It is Jesus Christ, the head, the cornerstone that brings us together and forms us and unites us into the house of God, into the pillar and ground of the truth. This Jesus, his truth that brings light to the world. For those who are stumbling, those who are running from God, they will look to you, to the church, and see the truth if we're truly formed together and we're truly being the church, the pillar and ground of the church, then those who are running, those who are far, those who are suffering, they will look to you and see the truth. Now, I did not always follow the truth. I wasn't always looking for Jesus. In fact, like all people, as Romans 1 talks about, I've suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. When I was a young man, I got into smoking marijuana with my friends. I have to tell this story this week because my parents will start being here soon. (laughs) I'm serious. Um, Hopefully they won't listen to this one online. It's bad. Okay. So I I used to be smoking, I used to smoke some marijuana with my friends. um, And here was the thing. There was sort of a lot of people at that time, and I think to this day, who were sort of talking about how it's totally okay to smoke marijuana, and they'd make all these arguments, these moral arguments, ethical arguments, for why it's okay, right? It's from the earth, man. Like, okay, so is poison ivy and arsenic, but I'm not putting those in my body. Um, so I knew that the arguments are probably weak, right? But I wanted to stay in my sin because I liked doing what I was doing. And so what did I do? I kept smoking weed, and what I told myself was this. I reasoned with myself and said, I'm not going to think about whether it's right or wrong. There are some people over here saying maybe it's right. And sure, I haven't heard any arguments that are really convincing, but I'm not going to think about whether it's right or wrong. And that way I can say, maybe it is right. I don't really know. I'll just keep doing it and forget about whether it's right or wrong. That way I don't know for sure that it's wrong, right? Instead of looking to the truth, I allowed myself to be willfully blind. Now that's, an, that's a term we use in the law, willful blindness. And let me explain to you kind of how it works. So if, if uh, Glenn Cook decides to go and we're in Seattle and he goes up and he tells me, hey, I just got this, you know, $10,000 watch from that guy over there. And the guy is over there w- with the trunk of his car with watches in it, right? And he says, you know, I got, I got it over there. And I'm thinking, well, uh, $10 for a $10,000 watch doesn't sound like it was an up and up type of deal. And oh, the guy looked all right to me. Right, this is willful blindness. Well, it didn't look all right to you. The guy's super sketchy and the watch is engraved with someone other dude's name, right? But you're saying that you didn't know. And what does the law say about that when somebody is willfully blind? When it's obvious that you're receiving stolen property, but you want to say, I don't know. I didn't see him steal it. The law's like, ah, sorry. 
You cannot purposely be ignorant of something. You cannot purposely push away and not think about whether the thing is right or wrong. The law basically says you, you were not ignorant. And even if you were ignorant, you don't have any excuse for being ignorant because you wanted to be ignorant. Now listen, we're his church, the pillar and ground of truth. We're holding up the truth high. We're holding up the truth so that people have to be willfully blind not to see it. They have to be willfully blind not to see it. We will not leave room for doubt. There will be no excuse for people not to see the truth of Jesus Christ other than that they did not want to see it. That is the job of the church. Okay? If you're, there are people who in New York City, in Manhattan, they walk around and, they're, and when they're not really sure where they are and they want to orient themselves, you know, they get off the subway and they're not used to this stop and they want to orient themselves to where they are, some people will look up and find the Empire State Building. And if they can see the Empire State Building, they have some idea of where on the island of Manhattan they are and which way they need to go. They use this structure, this pillar, to orient themselves to the truth of where they are. That's our job. That's who we are. That's who we are. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. We are this building, this house of God that is held up high by the strength of the concrete of the body of Christ that people look to and are drawn towards Christ and are oriented towards the truth. That's why our foundation has to be solid because people will always be looking towards Jesus Christ when they see us, towards the author and the finisher of our faith. It's you. It's you that radiate the light of Jesus Christ. Not by yourself running around as a little piece of gravel or ash or dirt or sand. That's not how it works. But by bringing your unique gifts to the body of Christ to be united with others, we can be strong together as that living water of Jesus Christ brings us, forms us, puts us in, and we grow strong. We are radiating the truth to other people. That is why we proclaim the truth from the word of God without apology, week after week after week, in love, but without apology. That is why we show the strength of the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's our Lord, our Savior, our King, our friend. We, we tell people this we, over and over, whether it's on a Sunday morning, whether it's in a life group, whether it's a women's event, whether it's in a men's event, whether it's in Honduras, whether it's in the Philippines, whether it's just talking to our coworkers. We are this tower, this pillar of truth in a world of shifting sand. We work together, we pray together, we move together as this pillar. Because when we're strong in Christ, we get the amazing honor of getting to be part of his work in saving people from sin and darkness. That only works, though, if we're hardened. That only works, though, if we're truly a pillar. If we're truly a pillar for truth. You, you may think to yourself, I go to church. I go to church. Church is like an event, or it's a place, or it's a program. But when I think about these scriptures, and when we think about these scriptures, we've got to realize the church is so much more than that. We are his church. We are his church. Who is Jesus? He is the cornerstone of his people, you, the church. 
That's who Jesus is, the pillar formed in strength to hold up the truth and bring good news to men and women and children all over the world. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, with part eight in our podcast series, Who is Jesus? Here on Contemplate. When we're joined together as the body of Christ, as His church, Jesus is lifted up, and God continues to grow us and strengthen us as the church and individuals, too, because He loves us. Pastor David will talk much more about this in the next podcast, and you won't want to miss it. Now remember that you can find all the info you need about Axe Church anytime online at axecamus.org. There you'll find sermon videos, plus directions, and all the info you need to visit us this Sunday morning. And I hope you will. Again, that's axecamus.org. Or call us at 360-885-9000. That's 360-885-9000. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Thanks for listening today. And I hope you'll pull up the next podcast for part nine in our series, Who is Jesus? with our teacher, Pastor David Robinson, here on Contemplate.